letter of Second John, and we praise him for it. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have already had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. You may have watched this week as a bearded man called Julian Assange was taken out of the Ecuadorian embassy. From divided opinion on Mr. Assange, you will either believe that he is a wonderful defender and teller of truth, or you will believe that he is a criminal who has endangered many and should be punished. Not only is there Julian Assange in this modern-day world, but some will also know who Shamima Begum is. She is the ISIS bride who left the UK to go uh, and fight with ISIS in Syria. She has said that when she was out there, she was just a housewife, basically looking after the children and making food and doing other things. A report came out this week that says she actually was involved in stitching these men into their suicide vests. Even here in Northern Ireland, Jerry Adams would say that he was never a member of the IRA. And others perhaps would look at Jerry and think, well, you know, he maybe was just dressing up all those times that he seemed to dress up like a member of the IRA. And then you have the head honcho in Facebook, uh, a man called Mark Zuckerberg, and he has this past week, or in the, the weeks just past, uh, released what he calls his, his privacy manifesto. And it, to some, it's, it's a useful tool to stop fake news and, and nonsense spreading. To others, Mark Zuckerberg is fighting to censor the internet and the opinions of people like you and I. Friends, as I have outlined all these situations and all these individuals, we all may be on one side or the other. See, we live in days where it's hard to know what to believe and who to believe, and, and fake news is often the thing that's thrown about uh, at opinions that we do not like. Even recently, for a long time, we have heard that 
that President Trump only won the election because of the help of the Russians. It seems that that perhaps wasn't true. And, and President Trump is saying, look, I've been declared innocent. And on the other side of it, people will say, well, not really 100% innocent. Who do you believe in this day and age? What do you believe in this day and age? Can you honestly believe a word that people tell you? I'll name no names, but I was speaking to one member of the congregation this morning that says in the upcoming elections, they're not going to bother. What's the point? Voting when it seems nothing's going to change anyway. Even though we're in 2018, and I might think and believe that this is a very modern kind of problem, that fake news is a, an issue just for us here all these years on. Actually, as we read the Easter story, we realize that it's always been hard to discern what is true. In John's Gospel, in chapter 18, the Lord Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And in verse 37, we are told by God's word that Pilate said to Jesus, So you are a king. Jesus replied, You say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Here is this Roman official who today, actually, if you read the history books, wasn't that important, wasn't that dignified, wasn't that well known. And yet, because of who stood before him, Pilate is remembered today in the same way that other famous Romans like Julius Caesar and others are remembered as well. Pilate stood before Jesus and asked, what is truth? See, if Pilate had been watching and listening and paying attention, then Pilate would have realized that his question had already been answered. He would have realized that he was sitting in front of the truth, the truth of God incarnate in flesh before him. He would have realized that this Jesus who was now on trial and was soon going to go to the cross where his life would be taken from him, he would have realized that this Jesus was the truth. And even in this response, just before this grand question, Jesus says to him, I was born for this purpose. I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. But Pilate, after saying, what is truth? Doesn't even wait for a response. Doesn't even wait for an answer. Doesn't want to speak more to Jesus about this. He, he goes out and tells the Jews, I find no guilt in him. And we know what comes next. What is truth? My friends, in these days of fake news, in these days of not knowing who it is you can trust or whether it is worthwhile voting or what side of the battle you should be on, we are a privileged people indeed. Because Sunday by Sunday, you and I come to this place, to this grand old lady that we call Eden Grove Presbyterian Church, and Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, the truth is read and the truth is preached. And I know, as I've already prayed today, I don't know if you were listening to that, but I, I made it clear. I said, even if the sermon is no good, 
And that was your moment in the prayers to cry out, Scott, it's always good. But not one of you is dead. So I'm putting you all on a list. But even if the sermon is no good, already this morning you have read and heard God's word. We have heard from Jude. We have heard the whole letter of Second John. We have quoted from the Gospel of John. We have quoted from the Gospel of Luke. We have heard the Word of God read in our ears, in our own language. What is truth? Julian Assange, guilty or not? Jemima Burgum, just a housewife or not? What is truth? God's Word is truth. Jesus is the truth. And everything we hear in this glorious book and everything that is read and proclaimed in this church, I pray that you will take it in and drink it in and in this uncertain world you will know that we are well grounded and well rooted in the truth of God's word. This wee letter is exactly that. It is a wee letter. There's not much to it. Just 13 verses. A a tiny wee letter that you can read in the morning before you even climb out of your bed. This is not Ezekiel. This is not a massive book of God's word. But in it, John is concerned about the truth. He is concerned that these individuals who he is writing to do not follow the fake news of the day. And we have heard Jude's warnings constantly. And I want you to consider that as we walk our way through the book of Jude this year. Jude endlessly, it seems, warns us about false teachers. John does the same thing. And and hopefully as you listen to God's word and you realize that, you might be thinking, "Is is the Lord trying to tell us something? Is he warning the church to say, always be on your guard? I believe so. Because even in the days that Jude was writing and John is writing, There was error, there was fake news, there were lies that were spread about Jesus. But but John writes this letter to the church and urges them to abide in the truth of God's word. He begins by writing in verse 1 that he is the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever Grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Here John writes as an elder of the church of Jesus Christ. And you will know, I hope, what an elder is. Elders are men called by God and and one of their primary responsibilities is to defend the truth. If the preaching of the pulpit ever goes wrong, don't blame the preacher, blame the elder. They should be listening to every sermon. They should hear every word that is proclaimed. And they should be realizing this minister of ours is taking us down a blind alley. John writes as an elder. He says, I am an elder and I write to the elect lady this beautiful phrase about the church, to this wonderful body, the elect lady, the church, and her children, everyone who goes to this church. And he loves them in truth. And they are loved by others who know the truth. And they are united, verse 2, because of the truth that abides in us and them. And he gives them this greeting of grace and mercy and peace from Father and Son and Spirit in truth and in love. Friends, we do live in days where it is hard to know what is truth. Maybe that question that that Pilate said, and, and I don't believe Pilate was mocking Jesus with that. I know some would argue that. 
Nor do I believe that Pilate was actually asking the Lord to respond. He doesn't give him the time for that. I look at Pilate in verse 38 of John's Gospel there in chapter 18, and I think this is just a a weary, melancholy cry. Maybe Pilate has heard many individuals standing before him. Maybe he's always been trying to get to the bottom of what is true and what isn't. And here is truth incarnate standing before Pilate and saying, everyone who is off the truth listens to me. And Pilate says, ah, what is truth? What is truth? No, no truth in this day and age. Nothing certain anymore. I'm sad to say that even infects the church. As people of faith, sometimes we we will speak in a way that, that isn't what does God's word say? But we will speak, well, I, I just sort of feel, and, and I, I kind of think, and, you know, it is 2019, so I, I reckon, no, my brothers and sisters. We are men and women who are privileged and blessed to sit under the truth of God's word. We read it, we study it, we, we pray it, we sing it, we hear it proclaimed. We sit under the truth on what the word of God says goes. We do not need to look to Julian Assange and and wait for him to leak some more emails. We don't need to take sides with Donald Trump and his rivals. We do not need to get worked up about our politicians or, or decide whether or not to vote in the European elections. We have the precious truth of God in this church, in this pulpit, in your pews, in your houses. Brothers and sisters, what a blessed people we are. So this Easter, if we ever hear that question, what is truth? We point to Jesus. And we say, behold, behold the Lamb of God. He is the way and the truth and the life. What is truth? Look at Jesus. Look what he does before Pontius Pilate. He could click his fingers and and a legion of angels could wipe them all out. And he stands and he is humiliated for our sake. And what is truth? It is is this Son of God, fully God and fully man without sin, who makes his way to the cross. And he hears the laughs and the mocking and the scorn. And the crown of thorns is placed upon his head. And the nails are driven into him. And he hangs there. And he doesn't curse. He cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the two criminals who mock him, but one comes to believe in him. And what does Jesus, truth incarnate, say to this man? He doesn't threaten him. He doesn't laugh at him. He doesn't say, you were mocking me 20 minutes ago and now you want my help. Instead, the way, the truth, and the life says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What is truth in Baal I would recommend that the pictures of those up our lampposts at the minute we, we... Take them all with a pinch of salt. There are good politicians. I'm not running them down. There are men and women who work hard for the sake of our communities, but they are men and women. And so if our trust and our hope is in a king or a queen or a politician, a ruler or authority, or, or even a husband or a wife or a relative, a neighbor, inevitably people and places and things will let us down. What is truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John is the spiritual overseer. This elder writes to the elect lady, 
and that speaks, I think, to us as Presbyterians. We have made elders into uh, just committee men that get a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a promotion. I don't think that's the case at all. I think elders are those men called to have that spiritual oversight. And so John has this concern as an elder about the truth. And he says in verse 4, To the elect lady, to the church and her children, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Here is the elder's desire, the elder's heart, the, the, the joy of John the Apostle, an old man at this stage, but delighted and rejoicing that, that some of the children in the church were walking in the truth. And doesn't it do your heart good when you see that in your own lives and in this, this church? We see the wee ones and, and hopefully you talk to your children about the faith and, and hopefully this afternoon over your lunch uh, you're not going to argue and fight over the roast beef. You could throw it and bounce it off walls. Forget about that. Speak to your kids. What did you learn today? What did you hear? What did your Sunday school teacher teach you about? What, what, are, you, what are you going to remember? What are you going to hold on to? Work your way through the wee questions that I've written for you in the book of Jude. Try and remember, what do we, what do, we do? Do we, we build? We, we pray? We keep? What does that mean? What is that about? Folks, that it should be our joy. Whether we are elders or, or husbands or fathers or sons or daughters or, or regular old members of this church, our delight, our joy should be to see men, women, and children walking in the truth. John the Elder is delighted. And he reminds the dear lady, the church in verse 5, that, that he's not writing anything new. This is not stuff that they've never heard before. He says, it's not as though I'm writing a, a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Verse 6, and this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. John shows us that as we grow as a church in the truth of Christ, a practical outworking of that is that we love one another. That we're not at each other's throats. That we're not gossiping about one another in the car park. That we're not divisive. Jude gives us that warning. John gives us that warning. In this very letter, he warns us against deceivers. John says if we are walking in the truth, a practical outworking of that is that we love one another that we see the truth worked out in this church by how we love and care for one another. Not standing in the street corner, whispering about what's going on in that place up the street, but loving fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And why? Because he first loved us. We'll see this week, with all the familiar stories that you and I are going to hear about Easter, I pray that that one in particular will stop us in our tracks. That Christ did not go to the cross because at one point we had done him a favor that he was now repaying. He didn't go to the cross because he knew that one day we would be the best Christians ever and he was dying for people that really deserved it. He takes our sins to that cruel and wicked cross and he kneels them there and dies there for wretches like you and me. Oh, how he has loved us. Do you see that when you, when you look in the mirror? And I know we all think that we're the best thing since sliced bread, but you know what? Sliced bread is not that good. 
when you look in the mirror and you see yourself with, with real eyes, we realize, really? The Son of God died for me? His precious blood was, was shed abroad for me? Really? And even today when you go home and, and maybe you row with the wife over something stupid, or you get all worked up because Theresa May comes on the TV and she says, I promise by the end of this year, Battle and Hinch will have its bypass. And you think, yeah, chance or it's never going to happen. See when I sin comes and knocks on the door and you open it and welcome it once more? I hope you stop this week and realize what a wretch I am. And yet Christ's saving, innocent blood was shed for my sake. Friends, how do we respond to this truth? By loving one another. By praying for one another. As Jude says, by building ourselves up in the Christian faith, by attending to the Word of God and the means of grace, by praying in the Holy Spirit constantly, by keeping ourselves in the faith, by, by watching out for those deceivers who would seek to, to trip us up and cause us to stumble, and by waiting patiently for the return of the Lord, that return should inspire us and drive us to obedience to the truth and love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we wait. This is how we respond to Calvary and to the empty tomb. But you, says Jude, and John agrees, you keep yourself in this faith. And we see that by how we love. See, John warns us again. And we're, we're familiar now, I hope, with the letters of John. This is a big theme in 1 John and now 2 John, but John warns us again in verse 7 that many deceivers have, have gone out into the world. And we recognize those deceivers because they do not confess the coming of Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Jesus is the one who is always attacked by the false teachers. Jesus is the one who is always belittled by the false teachers. And some of them make it clear that they love the Lord, they love the Lord Jesus, but they add to the gospel. And they rob him of his glory. And, and they treat him as if he's just a wee part of the story rather than the whole story itself. These deceivers, these false teachers, deny Christ. And so John says in verse 8, Watch yourself. So that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. The Christian life is an active life. The Christian life is a life that sometimes is difficult. I do not know Christians, very many of them anyway, who, who do not struggle in prayer. I do not know very many Christians who, who will say to me, it's always easy to get stuck into the Word of God and to to immerse myself in truth. Christian life is a hard work life at times. And it is so worthwhile. And friends, the older I get, and you know I'm getting older, before your very eyes I'm getting older. From the day and hour I walked in here, I've been getting older. I am, I think, like a fine wine. I get better looking and tastier as the years go on, but I am getting older. There's no doubt about that. But you see, as you watch that in your life, maybe it's just me at the minute, but, but you realize that so much of what we have got out here in this world, it just doesn't compare to what we have in Christ. And you think to yourself, well, Scott, surely Christians should always know that. Surely we should never forget that. And, and that's probably true. 
But the next time you're sitting in your conservatory and it's a lovely sunny day and you're sitting with your, your favorite cup of tea and your favorite mug and you're feeling very pleased with yourself and you think it's as good as it gets here, isn't it? I want you to remember that that glorious wee conservatory and that wonderful business that you're going to pass on to your son and all your looks and everything you're so proud of, none of it compares to what we have in Christ. So brothers and sisters, watch yourselves in the faith. Do not allow your hearts to be taken away from anything other than Jesus. And I'm so thankful for Easter because it, it causes us to stop and to remember Christ crucified for sinners. There's the church's joy, isn't it? Christ crucified for our sin. Christ raised for our justification. Doesn't that thrill your heart? I hope so. Because John warns us here in verse 9, he says, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Anyone who thinks it's, well, Jesus is all right, but, but I've got it from here. I, I will move on. And I will add things that I want. And I will dream dreams and visions. And I will add to the gospel. Anybody that believes that does not have God. But you and I, I hope, brothers and sisters, you and I will abide in Jesus. You and I will delight in the truth as it is preached here week by week. You and I will listen to it in our car when we're frustrated by the traffic on the way into Belfast on a Tuesday morning. We'll be listening to the Word of God coming through our radio and we will be immersing ourselves in the truth. You and I, before we start World War III this afternoon, because one of your children has thrown one of your perfectly baked pavlovas at the other child's head, before it's World War III, we bring the truth of God's Word into our families, into our hearts, into our lives, into our relationships, into our church. We delight and we abide in the truth of God because it is only this truth that will stand the test of time. A day will come when we will not be talking about unions or flags or borders or, or elections or any of the stuff that ails us right now, a day will come and we wait for that day when all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And brothers and sisters, for you and I who have trusted Christ, who have believed this glorious gospel, may we abide in that teaching. And when that day comes, may we hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I long for that day because what is to come is better than what we have got right now. But friends, this Easter, maybe like our Pilate himself, the question that you ask is, what is truth? I was once told by someone in this time, when I was sharing the gospel, well, that's your opinion on it, Scott. I have my own opinion. Now, I'm not saying today that I am like the Pope of Ballina Hinch, this great spiritual guru. I'm, I'm not in any way, shape, or form. But what is the gospel? It is the good news. The gospel tells us that Christ died for sinners. The good news is that he innocent and spotless, paid the price for our sin. His obedience was perfect. His sacrifice was full and complete. He is the, the propitiation of our sins. He turns away God's wrath. 
The gospel is that Christ died for sinners and he was raised again from the dead. That's the gospel. If you don't agree with that, then friends, humbly, respectfully, you are dead wrong. You're dead wrong. That is the gospel. Not just my opinion, but what God's word tells us. And so, friends, I urge you today, if you sit here and think, Scott, what is truth? Can we trust you? Can we trust the guy down the road? Do we look somewhere else? Is it another religion, another faith? What is truth? Jesus is truth. And, friends, today, if you want the truth and want answers to the biggest issue in your life, then it will not be found crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. And it will not be found in the teaching of politicians and spiritual gurus up mountains. It is stirring you in the faith. You meet it here week after week after week. Jesus says, everyone who is off the truth listens to my voice. Friends, you have heard the voice of God speaking in this place. It's echoed off these walls for 150 years or more. And before that, before this old building was built, the truth is older than these buildings. And the truth today of the gospel requires you to do something with it. And so friends, I urge you this Easter, repent and believe the gospel. There's nothing truer than that in this life. And you will see that in Christ Jesus, never was a truer act made than the one he made for our sin at Calvary. Never was there a truer man born than the God-man, fully God, fully man, without sin, Christ Jesus. And never was truer blood shed than his precious blood that truly saves a wretch like me. Friends, what is truth? Ask Pilate. Today we proclaim once more, Jesus is the truth. And as a church, we abide in him. Amen. And we thank God for his word.